Hello and welcome to this week's Mad Axman podcast. We're a little shorthanded this week with a team of six, but we've got plenty to talk about. There is astonishingly some painting that's happened, um, a bit of modelling as well, some new stuff's been bought. <laughs> what a surprise. But really this week it's all about York, Jorvik, Ibarakum, the competition that's coming up with a new feature, World of War, 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 War Sports, in which we look at the runners and riders and try and predict who's going to win this competition. Of course, Andy's quiz returns as well, and that follows the theme. It's, it's almost consistent. It's almost like we planned it that's about york too so sit back pin back your ears and prepare to be taken up north for the mad axman podcast this means war this means war well look welcome this we're, we're on the eve Almost literally the eve, and in fact, by the time this comes out, we will literally be on the eve of the restarting of the competition circuit in um, with a competition in York with exactly the legally maximum 30 people allowed, definitely, in a tent, which I think um, the wonderful man Paul has managed to rearrange at the last minute uh, after a bit of kerfuffle with the, the Johnson variant nearly putting a bit of, bit of a spanner in the works, I think. Um, so some of us are are heading up to York to play competitions, but some of us are not. Um, one of us has pulled a sickie. I think it must be either cricket day or or hay fever day, or or possibly the Johnson variant has made its way to Bournemouth. Um, fingers crossed. Let's hope not. Um, and so Adam is Adam is missing this time, but we do have obviously the best six people of, out of the seven here still, of course, and. As is traditional, as is traditional now in this summer, um, I think we've got quite a limited range of painting going on. Or, but we've got some new figure unpacking, and I think I can see um, four or maybe five people who've either done some painting or done some figure unpacking, possibly um, to to come to. So, I think you know, bearing in mind we've got a thin field. We may as well start with the easy slam dunk, definitely done some painting and work and all the rest of it. Tamsin and your 2000 and AD background, um, slightly cartoonish background, yeah. talk us through what what you have been creating for the bottom of your fish tank um, yeah. in in this in this last couple of weeks because you were oh. you were talking about doing stuff in the jungles and I, I think yeah and... looking at what's on screen I th- I think there's a very denuded pet shop somewhere near where I you live started the jungle you can you can see i so did a few did a few test pieces to see how things worked out and how they looked and the answer is bloody marvelous or um my yeah. fish tank is looking very unhappy now <laughs> so, so clearly you know everybody everybody yeah. knows that wow. there is a world of fish tank um plantage but you and also, two- also a world of plastic plastic palm trees and plastic plastic palm trees. and that's what i was going to come on to so so two weeks ago you told us that you bought some cheap tap from china that we've all looked at on ebay but then with a bit of spray and a bit of dry brushing you'd actually magically turned it into something proper but but now there's vastly more foliage on these irregular shaped bases so yes so how much of what we're looking at now has had paint and um f- silicone sealant most of these these sort of aquarium plants or bits from the sort of you know for got either you know you, you can go to the shops and you can buy the ball sort of hanging balls yeah. of plastic mm. plastic yeah. plant. 
some oh, it's a mix of got a mix of those sort of things on there and none of the none of the aquarium plastic plants have had any work done to them other than going in and, and being sort of getting a brown ink glaze oh ink of course glaze. a brown ink glaze yeah i think i had that on a steak that i had um earlier yeah. on this evening yeah, yeah. just a little I mean, brown ink glaze just yeah. tone toned tone down some of the garishness a bit yeah yeah, and also to dull. Did you, the... did you get a blowtorch on that just to to car caramelize the blaze glaze a little bit, or um, no, it's no, just a just no, a brown no. glaze, like just some matte varnish. Then I guess I, I, I've done a mix mix of bases. I've done some uh, some proper I proper sort of larger bases for, hmm. and also There's I've done some clump foliage. Though, done yeah. some scatter bases to go in sort of clearing areas. Yeah, but and. Painted up a little bit of MDF as well. Okay. A couple of so wheelbarrows the, um, and a privy. Famous, that's the Japanese privy and um, and the two Japanese wheelbarrows. Well, well, given it's for Papua New Guinea, it's one of the Austra Australians, Australian Jeez. plantation guys. So it's it's his dungy, yeah. All right. Sure is it, mate. So, Simon, do you, do you think, um, you know, an Australian army dunny, with your experience, would be more frightening than a Japanese army dunny? Or... Um, do you just want yeah. to say the word dunny with a really strong Australian accent and we'll all be delighted? Yeah, you don't want to be in a dunny with a couple of spiders, like a couple of redbacks popping oh. up on the toilet seat. Straight would be an absolute ripper. Right. <laughs> Good. Thank you. Yes. Ding, ding. Oh, David will translate for us. And yes. Like, second, second real batch I did was a couple of more open bases where figures can be put in and be moved through and looking at the ground scatter on these bases do these um do these have a a herbicultural sort of smell to them still or have you managed to no the smell pretty much it well it's either disappeared or been locked it locked in by sort of the various cooking process paint and pva stuff right. that's gone up okay. So it doesn't really have that smell anymore. But but it would have the taste though if you bit into it, wouldn't it? Yeah, the, the herbs on the, the herby crust would probably be. Yeah, but yeah. with with paint taste as well. All right. Okay. All right. So you you've not heated them up in the microwave, no. No, I haven't. He haven't heated them up in microwave. No. Right. Because you do that much more posh than I do. That's a bit disturbing. Um, God. Right. Okay. Oh, no, those are that's good. So how um, many? Some more coconut plants coconut palms so these are sprayed proper cake decorations that have been properly painted then or, or these, yes is this the, these are these are cake decorations which have been properly painted and there's also some sago palms as mm. well okay so it's been a, a forestaceous couple of weeks then yeah and just completed some more ice and more bases today superb wow and you've got the rocks on those, and I, I imagine you, you now, cast those, those rocks rock, yourself. Those or... rocks are not, are not car, cast. They're ones I carved from I blue, blue, blue foam. I well, look, cast, casting is just too easy. You know, if you, get, if you go on a spectrum, isn't it, from, from picking them up in the garden to casting them yourself, you've gone, both of those things are too straightforward. I need to hand carve these and, yeah. and, and create art with them. Yeah, and so also so some more scatter bases there, around bases, and some more I some bases where I was trying out sort of secondary jungle, but with removable with removable trees. Okay, I was loving the palm tree stalk on a, a, a couple of it. Yeah, that one, that one there, where it's kind of got that really 
gray and really pale gray color that's yeah yeah did you do you, do you research these things because you know is it one of these things like elephants where you think elephants are actually normally sort of brownie colored but they're always gray but palm trees you well, think they'd be brown but this is gray picked up over years palm tree i trees in general are actually quite gray yeah honestly yeah. i pine trees yeah i pine trees fir trees can be <coughs> quite ready. can be more of a ready brown yeah because foliage stops from being bleached mm. okay done right. that and uh, oh yeah <coughs> painted wow. up and based 80 banana plants or rather 79 and one which and the 80th came with the wrong sort of foliage but you're not going to send it all the way back start, to china for that then the, no. so this is the start of the, the i banana plantation sorry the start so, of the banana plantation so, is 80. so for when it comes to sort of the show notes that you put up yeah i you've obviously got the bit bits here here about me going completely bananas bananas and, of course and yes. coconuts yeah yeah bananas for a pair of coconuts that's 80 banana plants is quite a lot really isn't it that's um is do you think there's going to be a bigger banana plantation oh, this, or is yeah. 80 the limit it's going to, there's, there's i've got another 80 on the way in china oh, right. okay. <laughs> did you order those extras or is it just like one arrived well, quicker than another once i'd once i'd worked out that they were actually decent <coughs> what what sort of area i needed to cover okay how many i'd need and mm. um, separate notes well you have to you have to send yeah, me the link to um, this eBay seller for the the or the link to the eBay thing then I can actually put a link so people can buy something from China and know that it's actually good rather than it just being the um the massive lottery most most of the palm tree most of the palm trees are absolutely fine but the yeah. uh, the banana plants I only found one supplier and that was a Chinese company called Everest Models Everest models. They're the banana plant yeah. expert for I see this new logo from a category as recommended yeah. by Tamsin. Yeah. Everest models. If you want banana plants, Tamsin recommends Everest models. I, maybe maybe I can turn this into an advertising feature. And now yeah. we will break for an advert and I'll do a cheesy voiceover for it. <laughs> and um and then maybe this company in China will send me some some banana plants, which I don't don't really have any, any need for whatsoever, but yeah, God, I might as well fill the room with other crap. Really. Why so many? Why not? Don't you like bananas, Peter? Bananas are wonderful. You can never have too many bananas. You bananas, need them quite yes, dense. Plant. You need them quite dense, and the plantation area in chain of command chain of command can be up to two, up to twenty four inches square. <laughs> Jesus. So I've, I, I've now played Chain I, of Command. We'll talk about that later. Work, I've actually played Chain of Command. I, work, I worked out that I need, that I want that. I need 144. So you didn't want to do sort of like representational. You had to do one-to-one. -one. Look, Peter, well, if you're doing the figures one-to-one, -one, you might as well do the bananas one-to-one. Let's one -to -one. see that they'll end up at. I, with the plantations I'm using, using Sarissa... I terrain tiles. Okay. I've done it so I've done it so that all the plants that go into plantation based tiles are going to be removable. So is this when you find out there weren't any plantations in Borneo? 
I think that there research has probably been done there already. There were banana plantations, <laughs> there were coconut plantations, there were rubber plantations. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, do, 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 do you also need to get some uh, dangerous wildlife to spice up the war games? I mean, like, I don't know, cheetahs or tigers or poisonous snakes and stuff. Uh, We're going to have some leapers crawling through. Snakes, snakes and mosquitoes. <laughs> Lots of mosquitoes. <laughs> and what scale mosquitoes? What scale are the mosquitoes? Come on, yeah. We're not taking. We're not talking the aeroplane here, I assume. No, we're not. We're talking big, big mosquitoes with dripping fangs. You know, just you know, flying around. Wow. Yeah. Oh, so serious. Got a lot. I got those those southern coast of southern coast of the islands. You can get you can get some saltwater crocodiles in the in the Yay. Okay. Oh. So for the mosquitoes, so, you could just have a sound effect, really, couldn't you? Yeah. This <laughs> okay. means war. This means war. Well, look, we've we've gone um. We've gone jungle crazy, really, haven't we? Already on on this first one, so that's that's quite an impressive start. Um, I'm not quite sure where we go from 160 um, handcrafted banana trees in 28 mil, um, but but if we're going to go anywhere from there, it's got to be Andy, surely. That's that's the, that's the closest I can find to a logical leap. Um, Mr. Finkel, what, what's what's your last two weeks of painting look like? Um, well, the only thing I, I painted some... was this was this um, temple, Greek temple from uh, forged in battle. Um, so, and, and just for a bit of a giggle, I, I, I stuck an a ATM on the side. Well, you, you know, most, most temples have got an ATM on the side, haven't they? And how are they going to pay their mercenaries without that? Well, this is true, yeah. Um, and look, in fact, to be honest, I've, I've, been, I've been driving around in the car um, quite a lot lately, listening to digital radio, which I didn't used to have. But, um, and then listening to, I think, Radio X and Virgin, I've suddenly realised that Hardfi who were a band of two albums quite some time ago. Um, if you listen to those two stations, are still quite popular. So, and, and one of their great tracks was Cash Machine. So, so maybe it's a hard fight tribute, but um, yeah, <laughs> Peter. I've not heard of hard fight, so I couldn't claim, I couldn't all honestly claim, claim a tribute to somebody I'd never heard of, but. Uh, oh, right. Okay. Then that's probably, probably I just thought, because I, I had a, um, I had a, a nice Greek temple, which I'd bought on holiday some years ago. And then when I had some stuff. Where, where was that? Nick, um, you bought it? Oh, about six or seven years ago, we were in Athens. Ah, that's safe and, then, yeah. Yeah, in, in, in a souvenir shop. And then when mm. I had some stuff nicked in my car short, for my car shortly afterwards, that temple was one of the things they, they took. So um, I was at a kind of half an eye on needing to replace it. So hmm. when. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, so you, kind of. Did you um did you hand carve the cash machine or did you just like stick a sticker on it? No, I just I just found an image and shrank it, and printed it out and cut it out and stuck it on. Okay, all right. So that's that's all working. So and and did you was it something that was kind of pre-painted and you just tarted it up or or was it actually you know spray? No, it no, it, 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 do it, it properly. What the the actual temple? Yeah, the temple comes in sort of um grey, so I needed to sort of undercoat and paint it, and I've painted the. The, the cracks between the paving slabs and stuff and um, painted the roof and the there's a kind of a, a facing which I painted sort of sky blue and then I painted gold 
bits on top of it. There's a shield and arrows and things. Um, oh, so you, you painted it in as it would have been in ancient Greece, not as in... I think so, yeah. Of course, yeah, yeah obviously. You know, do, what, what Pantone reference or which, um, minute, which, which type of brand of paint did the Greeks use for their sky blue? I haven't been able to find that out. Okay, but you just you pick one out of your collection. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, probably, okay. probably use Vallejo. You know. Vallejo. Everybody used Vallejo, yeah. Well, he, he, he was, wasn't, he, wasn't he the god of painting at the time? Yes, yeah, Vallejo, the Greek god of painting. That could have been it. Okay. Well, talking of gods of painting, Peter, I, I understand you've been painting black and white blobs all week, really. Absolutely. I've uh, been doing some nice My Mycenaeans uh, that I got off uh, Clive, uh, one of Clive's old armies. I've been uh, tarting up, and it's quite nice. I'm looking forward to it because I haven't done many sort of uh, biblical ones. And mm. with the changes in the, the rules, they, um, you know, having a load of heavy spearmen sounds like a, a bit more fun than it used to be. So yeah. you can actually arrive there um, along with a load of light chariots. So I'm looking forward to actually trying it out. But it was sort of getting me back in the groove of actually painting again. Okay. Black and white with dots and tarting it up with, um, you know, a bit of colour here and there. Yeah, um, got to do a bit of flocking and everything else, but um, you know, it's it's like a, a gateway drug to get me back in painting again. Now the weather's warmed up, and I can sit outside and do it. Yeah. So how how was that? How did that work out for you? Was it? Um, did you? Because if you're tarting up something that's kind of a bit old, did you do you take them all off the bases, or did you leave them on the base and just work on the shield? So what what was your strategy? I uh, just uh, left them all on the uh, bases uh, still because I could get to them uh, because they were lined up in single rows. So it was perfectly easy to get to them. We weren't sort of doubled up or anything else. And, yeah. um, you know, ripping them off, I'd probably cause more damage than I would. So it was a case of uh, straightening things out, tightening it up, um, just doing a refresher across it all. Um, looked quite nice. Um, sort of like the overall effect uh, looks pretty good. I've just yeah. got a little bit more to do. But, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to trying it out, having a bit of fun with it because, um, you know, having uh, you know what's not they're not to like with a load of light chariots going storming in and you know mm. around like a bunch of mosquitoes you know gotta yeah. have a bit of fun with that yeah and did you do um because we talked about the the big black blobs and then the two tiny dots did you yeah did you do doing the dots? dotty bit uh the dotty bit made it uh, broke it up a little bit more so i quite like that um yeah. the only thing i need to get um i've been looking at the new uh, museum new uh ones that they're looking to do because i i want to get some like um uh, get my uh, Troy uh, Trojan piece, you know my mm. uh, Achilles uh, Myrmidons. Yeah, Myrmidons. Uh, Myrmidons, I think. That. Is it uh, possibly? Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Um, I quite like their. Uh, I saw a couple of pictures. Of their new ones, so I'll get uh, a couple of those just to tart it up and uh, make mm. it all sparkly. You know, so, some nice sort of like medium sword impact that goes steaming through the uh, um, foliage. Yeah. Okay. And because um, and, I think museum are retiring their old um, Mycenaean range pretty quickly or, or pretty yeah. soon, um, which luckily I think I've got more than enough <laughs> of them. <laughs> so I, I, I don't really need any more. Yeah, um, I was thinking of getting their, you know, their medium swordsman from that, but they didn't look that great, to be honest. Yeah, so, they're a bit old school, aren't they? They've, yeah. they've moved on from the other ones. Yeah, just a bit. Whereas the... You know the uh, spearmen and all that they look quite good on mass with the shields yeah. and everything else it's like yeah it, it uh, portrays that sort of effect with the big shields which could actually be upgraded to pervades as they it's sort of like fitting yeah. quite nicely for it it's definitely all about the shield okay they're going to do a z range in the mycenaeans yeah, yeah. they've already yeah. produced one they, they're just about to start selling it cool. they've uh, 
shown some of the pictures on their Facebook. Um, they were quite nice. It was like sort of like big curly feather thing on top as well, isn't it? I think what's um, always with Z range, it's going to need the right sort of painting approach. I think it's, I think we're talking, it, it sort of suits washes and inks, but it doesn't necessarily suit blocks and dry brushing quite so much. Yeah, the kind of spray it white and hits it with the contrast paint sort of kind yeah. of appeals to me somehow. Um, yeah. and, and actually my research, I'm tempted to the spray it bronze and tart it up <laughs> a little bit, which right. kind of really appeals to me, you know. Yeah, you'd be all over that, wouldn't you? Really, yeah, definitely. With, with my historical research of, um, you know, uh, what did uh, Troy do? Uh, yeah. You know, the Trojan Wars and uh, Brad Pitt. So my yeah. Brad Pitt special of uh, painted bronze. Yep. Yeah. Red bit. I think it'll go great for me. No, definitely. Definitely. Wow. Okay. All right. Well, let, let's, um, let's carry on. Now, another um, Clive sort of purchase. Simon, you've been un unbagging some kind of a kind of an obscure, but... I suspect quite nice range of figures, haven't you? Yeah, so Clive had in his collection a, a completely unboxed, still in its um, uh, little bags and all that, a uh, Dixon Models Seven Years War Swedish Army. So, okay. um, lots of different options. So there was a whole bunch of Krasiers, um, some very, very nice looking horsemen guys with big rifles, commanded mm. a bit of artillery, and man after my own heart. An absolute shed load of pike and um, muskets. So I've been working my way through that, just getting them all uh, filed and ready for um, base coating. And then I'm going to be painting up, painting them up, painting them up for Kings of the Battlefield, and mm -hmm. I'm going to be doing them as a Swedish army. Okay, all right. Simon, it occurs to me that if if they've got pikes and stuff like that, it might actually be a great Northern Wars army from you know when they fought the Russians in. Uh, Poltava and stuff, yeah. which would still be King of the Battlefield, but just yeah. a lot earlier than Seven Years' War. Yeah, so they're, they're um, it's a because I know the Swedes sort of kept some of their pike to a little bit later. Oh, so, did they? I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, I, I read a, a magazine somewhere they talked a little bit about it, but it's just gives you an excuse to um, have guys with blue coats and yellow cuffs, a bit different from the, the obligatory Prussians, French, Austrians. Yeah. And, um, I can have all the banners up with Swedish heavy metal bands, so you know. How, how big are those? Um, how big are those Dixon fifteen mil? Because were they yeah. the same sort of? Were they the same sculpture as the two dragons Vikings? If it was for a former Dixon range, that I don't know. But they're pretty close to Essex fifteen mil. Okay. Because I've, I've got a bunch of uh, spare Essex fifteen mil from a League of Augsburg Louis the Fourteenth style. I mean, from ADLGR yeah. and Fontenot. So. You know, as a war gamer, you always have these spare, spare parts lying in a bag. And when I match them up, they're pretty close in size. Like, you know, the Essex are maybe a millimeter big, bigger, but when you're playing at three foot distance, they would all going to look perfectly fine. So I can now. Because the, um, the Dixon, a lot of the Dixon 25 mil ranges are are kind of almost anime characters. They've got like really round heads and they're quite, okay. they're sort of cute. They're kawaii, if that's the word, isn't it? Kawaii. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, but are these ones just more normal figures then? These ones are very normal. So and they're very, very sharp molds. So they're okay. all part with um, they're from a nice clean style. You know, the um, Peter Peak style miniatures. Yeah. Nice okay. sharp, you know, a good sharp mold, not much in the way of cleaning up a horse. The uh, horse and rider are sold separately. So you buy your horses and then you choose your, your rider. Mm. And they fit on very well. 
I've seen some ranges have just been quite a while of milliput trying to um, fill up the uh, the saddle and the legs and all that to give a good fit. These ones have mostly sat very perfect, very close. They're suitable. They're all locked into place. And yeah. um, also, there's a lot, a lot of nice detail. I think the bit of um, like unpainted dip, which is what I use, um, and stuff like that. I think they'll come out quite nice. I think they'll look really spectacular. It's just a, a bonkers army to run around and make Swedish jokes and turnip jokes. Well, you know, you can't you can't beat a good turnip joke, really. I think. No, um, no. no definitely. This means war. Look, from from my point of view, I've actually done, a, other than the, the moving Clive stuff on, I've done a bit of rebasing this week. I I sorted out all my 15 mil longbowmen, um, or nearly all of them, which were, um, they're the Battle Honours range, which is from Old Glory. So it's, a, it's sort of obscure. It's kind of hidden on their website. And I think I had 48 of them. And, and they were all based on four to a base on 20 by 40s. So I've kind of... Um, soaked them all off and redone them onto six to a base on 40 by 40s for for proper adlg and just because you need more longbowmen now um so instead of having effectively eight on a base i've now got six and they still look pretty busy and i managed to to sort of mix them up a bit so there's two different types rather than just a, a different mix and i've got managed to kind of cook up nine bases of, of those which has been good um i've based up a few I have a suspicion some of these might be Spanish and some might be Samnites. It's again, it's I think I had eight, sixty, I had thirty odd sort of odd figures of Clives that were painted that are going to become um, uh, Celtiberians for a Spanish army that I've I've got a lot undercoated, and then I actually put some paint on figures myself, which which kind of feels like really weird because I haven't done that for so long on. Um, you might remember from months ago, I'd stripped my whole Merliton medieval um, feudal Italian army yeah, right back the, down. Yeah, the bio strip event, wasn't it? Yeah, that was the big, big bio strip event. And I, you know, I spent a long time sticking plastic, you know, um, bristle spears onto them, and then I stuck and I got some new um, lollipop sticks from eBay, and I've stuck them all on um, lollipop sticks, and I sprayed them all white. And I've just started my first kind of couple of sets. In fact, I've got one, two, three, four, five. I've got about eight or nine lollipop sticks out of probably about 40 um, of these guys. But I'm, I'm so I've done some of the sort of quartered heraldry. And here's a pop quiz question. So when I'm painting medieval figures, you kind of want, you know, quartered, whatever it's called, tabards and stuff. And then I end up going, yeah, red and blue. That looks strong. And then I go, what, what, what else do I do that's as good as red and blue? Because red and blue is kind of the coolest. And red then I think maybe yellow. red and yellow is the second one. Yeah, exactly. Where do you go after that? Blue and white. Yeah, blue and white. I've used a lot of blue and white. Blue and white. Um, green and something. Green and yellow. Can you do green and yellow? But doesn't green and does yellow green... is quite good. Doesn't that look like Norwich City from Sabutio from yeah, the 1980s? Yeah, it does a bit. Yeah, okay. So you need a bit of Delia Smith going on with the that. Vertical one. halves. Vertical halves are quite good. Don't do quarters, just do vertical halves. 
So yeah, possibly. Okay. So because I'm just a bit obsessed with the red and blue, and I'm going that's just too much. But yeah, you know, blue. You know what you can use as a theme, Tim? Football clip, mm. football kit. Just think of different teams. Think of their kit. And do units in different in the in the kit of those colours. West yeah, but you know, like Arsenal in nineteen seventies with white sleeves and red red stuff and the rest of it. Yeah, but it gives you it gives you all you know, contrasting thing and it gives you an idea of themes. So for yeah. different units, you know, it's possibly it's in the Tag Marta websites, which they go back quite a long way. They're, they're mirrors. Okay. If you go on there, they've they've been the pictures been around ages, but there's some beautifully painted um, Italian commune Italian. And then Mirrelton figures and things, yeah. and they look absolutely amazing with pavises and things. Okay, well, yeah. I think pavises I'm sort of printing out, and I've done the um, I've done the sort of leather strip padded armor with contrast paints with um, I think it's skeleton bone on white, which you, you yeah. obviously can't see that, but uh, you know that guy at the front, um, he's kind of that's the go-to color, and that looks really good. So I did all those first. And then See, I've done the, some of the... the the only time I've seen pictures of it, it's just making the colours pop because all the pictures yeah. I've seen really are, you know, really gorgeous. Yeah, no, I've got, I've got to kind of get that. I, I, I did one base a long time ago, um, so they're they're super colourful for these kind of mixed spear and bow units, and I've got so many of the damn things now now that I've reorganised them that I can kind of get them properly. But it's just I don't want them all in red and blue, but but actually, yeah, just going green and yellow possibly and red and yellow and blue and white that's another thing is there anything else beyond those ones that, that black and white good? fulham yeah but you know I, I i want a premiership kind of army not a not a kind of yo-yo championship sort of army really <laughs> and then um Newcastle. And the mat- yeah exactly i'm not going to paint vertical black and white stripes at all that's not happening um there's, there's just it just feels like there should be something else maybe, orange maybe and black wolves maybe it's pale blue I don't know, is pale blue different? Does that work with different colours? When I did my Spanish feudal ones, I did half, I did, I did, so obviously Spanish, red and yellow. Mm. I did some with quarters, some with halves, with opposite sides. So that way you mix it up rather than doing them all in a uniform. I suppose it's black and yellow as well, isn't it? That's a thing. Yeah, that's good. Thought of. That might work. Maybe I think, maybe I need to add black color? to the palette. Add black to the palette, possibly. Okay. Communal Italians to send you because they're really good. There's, there's definitely some of those, and I've got a few. Um, and I actually painted up as well a couple of war wagon horses that I used that skeleton bone on white as well. Um, does that work at all? Um, that that look really really nice um, for some of these wagons, and I'm just painting up some crew to to go in them. These kind of shooty shooty wagons with the artillery pieces. So so they should get done in the next fortnight. But it was a real struggle kind of picking up a paintbrush again um but but tomorrow's going to be raining so and now i've started with the contrast paints you seem to you seem to sort of get close to finishing quicker I'm not quite sure what it is you just dob the stuff on and they're sort of done faster so um you know maybe i'll have a bit of a blitz and, and get some of them done and doing a bit of rebasing has kind of given me some some free figures as well it feels like some sort of free figures so so it's not all been um it's not all been too difficult but you know but talking of things that were too difficult it probably is time to talk about some of the games that we played over the the last couple of weeks means war
So look, it's been with with some work going on for some of us, but but the rest of us managing to squeeze in some games and start to do some face to face down at down at the pub and the club. Um, I think three of us have had a degree of of gameplay. Um, Simon, what about you? Have you been you've been doing virtual and face to face? I think. Yeah, I've tried to have a couple of virtual games, but due to my inability to schedule myself, failed miserably. But I actually managed to get into the club and have a real game against Mr. Mr. Allen, which was quite weird since I haven't seen him since Warfare 2019. So, um, uh, has, has he aged? Has he aged? Do you think he always yeah. does, doesn't he? You know, he he's looked like the same since I, I met him 12 years ago. He just Nothing changes, just I think yeah. the goatee gets a little bit whiter, but otherwise... Yeah, uh, I think yeah. it's like Dorian Gray, but he's probably got a picture of, um, you know, Lenin or something in his, his cupboard that, that ages quickly or something. Either that or he's got a, a, a whole bunch of 28 mil plastic figures that are getting older and older. So, um, yeah, that could be it. And wilting, possibly wilting. Wax, there's a waxwork Lenin in the loft. Yes, that's <laughs> just sagging, sagging by the day. Probably it's pizza oven is melting it. I suspect. Yeah. But, but. Yeah. So we had a we had a game of um, he wanted to try out his um, Scots. So I brought. Um, I thought he was going to bring feudal Scots. He brought later Scots, and I brought Hundred Years War English. So we had a, a reasonably historic scrap. You know, the Scots and the English fighting never happened before. Never. Uh, and yeah, it was, it was quite good fun. We got into a it. It wasn't a nil-nil draw that ended up with um, three people getting COVID and having to self-isolate, was it? Oh no, there was a, there wasn't self-isolation afterwards. Mainly from a need of spending time in the hospital after getting charged in the rear and the front and the side. Um, that didn't go well. Okay. Uh, we did get a proper result. So in the end, I got absolutely whooped. Um, but we managed to get, I think, nearly every element in the, on the table into combat. So we were quite happy with that. So about 40 elements in combat by the end of the game. But yeah, a respectable amount. We wow. Got some of those, um, you know, some of the new mechanics of light horse being able to zock, real trip by. I left him a nice gap so Lighthorse was able to come behind my um, my rear rack, my, my line, turn around and zock some of my cavalry who could have evaded. So life got all very interesting. But then very nicely, I was able to charge that Lighthorse in the rear, explode it. It then uh, caused damage on all the night till it comes spontaneously through. So it's all good fun. Um, and we had just a good old-fashioned scrap, you know, his pike got into my um, uh, swordsman. Swordsman did damage. His pike rolled over me. Knights did what they did best. It was great. It was a good fun game. Okay. All right. That's good. And was that your main gaming experience the last fortnight then? Yeah. Because other than that, the main, the biggest thing I've been focusing on is going through ATSO army lists for Renaissance, being um, quite fastidious going, yes, that's the correct term, you know, go through mm. all the pictures and all the diagrams just to get things correct so we don't have um, some of these um, queries on language and all that. So yes, indeed. It's been, um, it's been good fun. So yeah. yeah. No, I must admit, I've got the um, your ADLG R draft on my desktop to to look at tomorrow in between editing this and, and pumping <laughs> this podcast out on Thursday. So I think those two things are on my my rain soaked agenda. Um, all right, let's go round. Um, Andy, you're the other guy who, who normally plays a lot of games, and I'm I'm confident I'm aware of at least one game you played through yes. being the other the other um, <laughs> passive participant in it. But but tell us about <laughs> the games that you played before before that one first. Do you do, right, your yeah. normal, well, do you do one or two against Dave Ray with your 
your world um, is I think we've had I think we've had two yeah Dave and I've had two games in the meantime and um, I managed to finish second in both of them um well done. the main thing the, the main learning from them really was uh well two learnings one was that impetuous cavalry games are good fun um, the right bugger to try and turn onto the flank of people, but they go around the clap like the clappers and you get plenty of action uh, when you've got impetuous cavalry. Um, the other thing was that we had a game last night with Hindu Indian against Ghaznavid. And so um, I had elite elephants and Dave had armoured elephants. And I came to the conclusion that armoured elephants are actually better. Okay. Wow. Because they, they don't fall over so easily. And if you do actually... If they if if they damage you, you've then got to outscore them by three to hurt them. Right. Okay. Does the armor counts in combat then. Yeah. Not right. against elephants, but it counts against. This is um, this is elephants versus elephants. You know, we had the, the elephants were butting up against each other, and, and it was um. um elephant, but armor doesn't count against elephants. Doesn't. No. <laughs> No, Andy. No. There's a clear, there's a clear statement. I can see a flaw in your theory here, Andy. Better oh. armor does not fight against elephants ever. Full I think that there might be a line in that, which yeah. says even in the FAQ, armor yeah. doesn't count against elephants. Yeah. Oh, 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 okay. Well, well, I still lost, but may, I might not have lost quite so badly. You, it's all right, Andy. Say it again. I can edit out your gross, incompetent mistake. And then you can go, you can tell well, us. That would be a think. waste, wouldn't it? It would be a waste wow. of Wow. Andy, guess what? It's even in the first bit, the FAQ in special abilities do not armor, does not apply against elephants. Does it, does it actually say armor does not apply against elephants, Andy? That's what it says in the FAQ. Or, or yeah. in the first round, if any enemy has Furious Charge. So just, yeah. you know, was it Elephant yeah. with Furious Charge as well? Yeah. Possibly it does. Possibly. So would you like, Andy, let's let's pretend that I'm going to edit that out. And you've just <laughs> played with Armoured Elephants against Elite Elephants. How? What's what's your opinion as to what's the best one then now? I just, well, had we applied the rules correctly, it probably would have been the Elite. But yeah, I think we may, that, we may that have got have things wrong the during the game. Okay, that may well have been the case. Okay, and, and you know, I can't blame you know, I can't blame other people for not reading the small print. It's, it's what we no. should do. No, definitely, that, that's your job, isn't it? If, if other yeah. people read the small print, you'd be out of work. Um, well, the thing is, I do it during the day, so perhaps having to do it in the evening, maybe that's my yeah. excuse. So. That's just too hard. All right, and then, um, do you, do you want to give your story of the other game that you played? Um, which was the one that me and yes. you played on, uh, the, on the, Monday, the way, the, Monday yeah. night? Yeah, the way to beat Tim is not to do anything particularly stupid and roll very hot dice. Yep, yeah. that, that went for me. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, it was yeah. it was brutal, wasn't it? It was absolutely brutal. It was um it was proper biblical action. It was your your Hebrews, Hebrews against my sea people. Yeah, we didn't even have the sacred camp. No, no, there was nobody nobody sacrificing and, and burning snakes or any of that old willarchy. No, it it was just... the snakes on coast wouldn't burn them, it would be cows and sheep and things like that. But uh, yeah. no, yeah. I think my cunning plan of, of sending ten chariots around a five UD wide gap did actually work quite well. Mm. Yeah, it was. Because you weren't expecting it. No, I, I I was expecting you to kind of spread your army a little bit out more, and um, and I kind of matched that. But but yeah, you just poured like a dozen chariots through a gap that was wide enough for four. Um, <laughs> and my um, and also it's the first time I because I'd rebased my sea people about two years ago and never actually used them. Um, just cobbled them together out of all sorts of other stuff, and I was a little bit surprised to find that the sea people now only have six heavy infantry 
and I think in the the version three they used to have eight or more something like that um so so I was trying to hold this gap in between terrain with four of my heavy infantry just to kind of slow you down and then throw all of my impetuous medium troops through the terrain on the other 80 percent of the table and run over your bog standard medium swordsman with my impetuous medium swordsman and, and just blow them away and every single time i hurled into your swordsman they absolutely battered me it was just like i think i by the end of it you finally lost i think four of i lost five out of six i think you lost five out of six of your swordsman and, and i lost, lost eight. Seven or eight or i lost eight and you're going so this is an equal matchup. I've got greater numbers. I've got overlaps and I get furious charge at first contact. <laughs> I think it was even some that you charged and beat. And it was just like, so my plan. I think, once crushed... I, I, think I charged one, one guy and, and yeah. remarkably. Yeah. I think my plan of lose slowly over here and then crush you over there. The lose slowly didn't work. Too badly, worked, yeah. But then the crush you over there bit with superior numbers and better troops just completely abjectly failed. So, so it did show me that I need to rebase again um two units i think two units of eight um medium swordsmen to give myself another couple of medium swordsmen but but it was a bloody big army you know it went on longer given my dice um it, it went on longer than i thought because i think i managed to eat my army up to about 29 well yeah your break point was 29 but you say it went on longer but we actually i got to the club about half past six and by half past eight it was all finished i know it went on a lot longer than i thought it would do given the dice <laughs> um to be honest but uh, that was partly through to the the enormous break point but um but yeah, yeah. no I, it, it was good to get those dice out of the way so so whoever's playing yeah. me in the first round at york um i apologize in advance really um, <laughs> because i wouldn't just enjoy it <laughs> yeah yeah they've, they've got some um they've got some pretty hot dice coming their way if if the law of averages does actually work out over a, over, over any sort of period of time yeah. really yeah, what, so. what was good though was um the hebrew army has improved in some ways from the version three rules because it's now got a command rating of up to four and you can actually by using some light foot and stuff get up to get a plus one initiative for the light troops which you couldn't previously so i could actually get an initiative of three and i had two brilliant commanders which when i rolled one for command meant they could still give three pips of moving which was quite useful actually yeah i think i think that was one thing i thought in retrospect you know because i was committed to using the sea peoples anyway but I think they only have six light foot and and some of them can be fielded as javelin men and otherwise it's just an all impetuous army so so i fielded two or three as javelin men which meant i couldn't get any initiative other than the the generals yeah because um, you would have to use all six light foot as light foot um yeah. which which sort of felt suboptimal and i thought defending might be okay because i did get a lot of terrain down um yeah and it, it did provide an obvious place for your infantry to hide and then i charged into it and just got whooped really so um <laughs> so it was a partial yeah, in, success in hindsight i should have pulled back to that hill rather than fight you in the fight fight you in the um, no you you could have fought woods. me anywhere andy with those dice you could have fought me downhill with like from, naked from, people with with bare hands it would have still still gone really horribly yeah, wrong if they'd be with fluffy bunny rabbits with those dice it's yes. gonna be, yeah, yeah. yeah that probably could have been it yeah but look, <laughs> and i think on on that note um that's time to to look forward to the games that, that us and some other people will be playing in york this weekend and um and introduce our new feature uh, which is probably a one-off for york in our um shameless shameless effort to to drive up our listenership by 30 people 
which is the entire field at York, by releasing this podcast before York and publicising it to all of them, um, as we try and predict the winners in York in what is going to become um, World of War Sports. Hello and welcome to World of War Sports here on MadAxman.com. This is ADLG Punditry at its very finest. Well, welcome to the um, World of War Sports here. And we're looking at the big, the big, the Euros, the Euro format um, version of the York competition that's coming up this weekend. Again, as, um, as we say, in a shameless effort to try and drum up another 30 listeners. And what we've done, we've, we've kind of done a hybrid here um, because, you know, doing things straight and normal is, is just too, it's just not exciting enough and we can't get enough exciting whizzy graphics in. Anyway, so we wouldn't do it anyway. UEFA wouldn't do it anyway. We've got some opera singers in. We've got some like, you know, Russian Latvian dancers to do it. There's like going to be a four hour preamble and, and the rest of it. And then there's going to be some pop star you've never seen. And what we've actually managed to do is to split the field in York, apart from a couple of the late entries that I forgot, into four groups. And, um, and we're going to go around and we, we're going to talk about those groups we're going to look at which armies we think are going to make it out of the group stage into the um, the quarterfinals, then the semifinals, then the final. So we're going to decide through a way in which there's no relationship whatsoever to how this competition will play out. The the best army and the best player and the best everything for the York competition coming up. So pool one, group number one, is this the group of death? What is this the group of? We don't know. So our random, random computerizer has come up with a group of, it's got a reasonable number of Daves, actually. It's, it's pretty good on the Dave front, this one. So in group one, the armies which we're going to be looking at is Dave Hanley, who I know isn't using early Arab. He's using something else because he's had a late change. But I can't remember. Anyone else remember what that is? Uh, no. Something at Aramean. I can't really remember. Something dodgy. Dave Ruddock with Armenian, um, World of Cataphracts. Dave Allen, Parthians, World of Cataphracts. Bob Amy, Palmyron, World of Cataphracts. Nick Sharp, Mariotic Kushite, not a Scooby. Gordon yeah. Jameson with the Mad Caledonians, Dark Horses. <laughs> okay, Bob Middlemiss, Carthaginian. That's probably got to be Chariots, as he read those new rules. No. Um, Dave Roberts, our third Dave of this group, fourth Dave of this group, Middle Imperial Roman, and I'm saying that's got um, artillery. And Graham Carroll with Sassan in Persian. So, I don't know. That let's start with Mr. Elephants. Cataphracts and elephants. So, so Mr. Saunders, you know, what are you saying? You know, if we're coming to you on the punditry chair, I can see that you're down pitch side. The managers are walking past you. The crowd are in the background. What, what are you thinking? What talk us through this and, and what very quickly and what's going to be your number one and number two finishers in this group, army wise? Well, Tim, from um, my point of view, group one, and from this program, I think we've started far too early. But I call this not the group of death, but the group of cataphracts. And of the cataphract armies, I would go with Parthian, because it's Dave Allen, and I would go with Graham Carroll with cataphracts and the Sassanid Persians. Those would be my two choices. I don't give Gordon's Caledonians a Scooby-Doo. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, which, I don't know. Of those two, which are you saying, you know, because we're, we're going to come and ask you, Dave. We're going to ask you, who's going to end up first? Who's going to end up second? You're saying it's a toss-up um, between the boy Carroll and the boy Allen. I'd go uh, Graham Carroll first, Dave Allen second. Okay, that's the way it works. Right. Okay, then. We'll just ask one more pundit here. Peter, you know, you're a man who loves cataphracts and you love elephants. 
you're looking at that list. Where are you going with this? I I, I think where it's it's Gordon with the dark horse of the Caledonians is going to sneak through because uh, a lot of the others are going to be cancelling themselves out with cataphract versus cataphract fights, which are going to be heavy losses. Um, and they're not going to really have the stuff to go against the Caledonians coming storming through if he gets the right terrain. So if he gets I'm, the right I'm, terrain, you could have some big wins. So you're saying that the medium foot swordsman against the cataphracts is going to be a win? Uh, well, if you've got the right terrain down and everything else, uh, all of a sudden the cataphracts start becoming a liability because um, unless you've read the new rules about turning them around and everything else, um, getting them wrapped up if you can get on the edge of them. And hang on, Peter. Hang on, Peter. I'm, I'm just getting. I'm just getting. We got. Um, we're going pitch side to Micah Richards. Micah, what what do you think about this? <laughs> look at me disgust in his face. <laughs> Right. Predictions, mate. What's prediction? <laughs> Thank you, Micah. That's a fantastic input. Um, so, Peter, so you're you're going with um, Gordon Jameson. Even so, you're you're saying that, and um, with the Caledonians. And, and what's your second place in this group? Because I think you're you're going big on the Gordon here. Uh, big on the Gordon, and then for. It's got to be a cataphract. I think it may well be um, a Sassano Persian, just for the mixing it up, because you're going to love an elephant. You've got to love an elephant. That's fantastic. All right, then, let's move on to group two. So this is a group that's just got one Dave in it. And... Um, and there's a couple of vested interests here, so I won't be coming to either you or me, Dave. So, Mr. Robert Taylor, Palmyron, textbook classical army. Mr. Lopez, Julianne, the, the Spanish devil, um, as he's known, from, from all the way up north in Lancaster with the Blemmy and the Nubba-Dubba-Dubba-Dubba-Dubba-Dubba-Dubba-Dubba-Dubba-Dubba-Dubba-Dubba-Dubba-Dubba-Dubba-Dubba-Dubba-Dubba-Dubba-Dubba-
let's face it, they're going to be in, in, in they're going to be facing each other in the final. Elia, all the rest of this discussion here is going to be about who they beat in the quarterfinals and the semifinals. Do you think there'll be some tactical play then who people try and try and lose and sneak through as the best third place winner in order to um to avoid them until the final latter stages? Yeah, that's me, that's me submarining. Submarining. So we're saying so we're saying Richard. So there's a double header there for Richard and Julian, which it basically sounds like they are the Richard and Judy of Breakfast TV, but transformed into the ADLG players of this group. So so Andy, of those two, who's going to come top in this group? Richard Case. Richard Case. And Tamsin, what about you? I don't know. I, I think it's it's going to be tight. It's going to be one of... It's going to be the two of them there. I want and two out of this group. Well, Wait, let's suggest... I, I think what depend on the well toss for dice. I think what you're saying there is Richard Case, because otherwise the um, the mathematics mm. of how we do the second round draw won't really work. <laughs> Just a suggestion. Mm. Richard Case, then brilliant, well done, well said. So, what, so what Rick, I do hope though is um, I do hope hope the slave revolt does well, because just look at the army list. I love the idea of having twenty four, maybe impetuous. With a command of two, just you the, can't the love level that, can you? chaos and bedlam of the whole army just going spontaneous. That I think could that cause a lot of problems, true. couldn't it? That could cause a lot of problems. Yeah, but well, that's too coming to the strategies. Smaller armies, Sorry? certainly for the smaller ones. I've got a question here. Julian yeah. Lopez is using Blemmy Stroke Nobato or Nobatoes. What they got? They are actually two completely different lists buried in one list. So it should be either Blemmy or Nobato. Yeah, that's that's a transcription error, though, isn't it? That we'll blame you, Afa, for that one. Um, but move, moving on to Group Three, then, and Andy, you, you're you're recording the things here. So Group Three, um, we're down to one Dave. Um, again, it's our second group with one Dave. So. We've got the boy Steer, all the way from Halifax, Republican Roman, textbook classic army. Marco Baroni, ancient British. We might as well call it um, Caledonian, but it's ancient British. Dave Finnegan, triumvirate Roman. We might as well call that Republican Roman. This is a pretty old school group, isn't it? Yeah. John Hogan. It's good to see John come back. I think um, I think he he won a competition a while back and many years ago, beating me and Adam possibly. The, with Carthaginian again, oh, what a classic! Um, Ferdy, um, I'm not sure whether that's uh, Alex Ferdison or, or someone else. With Mithridatic, classic army with with all the toys or possibly too many. Christophalos Ptolemaic with an unbroken record of defeat every 28 minutes against Dave Ruddock in practice, which will um, hopefully lull Dave Ruddock into a sense of false security. Um, Mr. Proudfoot, the legend, the man, Chris Proudfoot with Aramean, another army, not a Scooby what's in it, but but it must be clever, I'm sure. And um, Camels and the, Bowmen. Lots of Bowmen. Jesse, Jesse Shaw, Mithridatic, our former clubmate who's moved out west. There's a lot of toys there to choose from. And, um, and the new man on the group, Tony Robinson, bringing out Judean Jewish, which will be delightfully painted, I'm, I'm absolutely sure. So... So let's have a look at this one then. Simon, what are you when you're looking down that list of armies, which which ones are you thinking are gonna float up numbers one and two? I'm hoping the ancient British do well, because that's the army I painted up during lockdown. 
uh, and hopefully they've gone through, gone with a whole mass of impetuous swordsmen and chariots, especially the, because um, Andy and I had a game where we played with um, light chariots where you can upgrade them to be armoured. All, all of a sudden, they've actually gone from completely and utterly useless to quite enjoyable. Um, interesting, interesting to see how they go against all the Romans. You know, they'll lose their, furious, their impetuous, oh, sorry, their, their impact in the first round, but lots of furious charge. Um, it's going to be quite an interesting period. Lots of proper stodgy armies. Hmm. No, I, I must admit, I'm I'm looking at that and thinking, in this particular pool, you know, the, the, there's always different pools the way these things fall out. And I'm going, the ancient British, they got they got paced down the wings with the chariots. They got the big fella up front. Um, you know, they got the druids cheering from the back, and and those druids, if you're playing at home. The druids cheering people on and, and sacrificing a couple of virgins is is worth an extra player in sometimes. You know, in, well, they are Welsh, and definitely, yeah, the Welsh should play with a great deal of enthusiasm, as we've seen. Yes, absolutely. So you, you need that. You need the druids there as well. So in that pool, I don't think the ancient British is a bad call. Actually, I, I really don't. You know, I've got a soft spot for for the Carthaginians. I've got a soft spot for Mithraditics. It would be good to see a Mithraditic army doing well um, as well. I think in the last competition I played, I struggled against the Judean Jewish as well. It's surprisingly good, but, but I think I'm probably going, you know, I'm probably going ancient British finishing top in that one, just because there's not enough cavalry to, to deal with them in that pool. And I think I'm going Carthaginian um, because it would just be nice to see them beat the Romans, even though hard as that is. So, so I'm yes, going. Simon, yeah, I'm going British first, try um, Carthaginian second, and um, Simon, which you know, who so, would you who would you put in those team? first and second places? Do I can record it? I think first place. Um, not um, not knowing all the players, I think Adrian Steer, quite a good player. So let's put him up top, and I'll be biased. Let's go for the um, the ancient British to go up there as well. Are you, which one are you saying first? Which one second? Republican, Roman, then British. I think the, the armour will hold out just long enough to um, beat them at the end. Okay, you're Republican, Romans then. All right, let's let's scroll down a bit and then... Well, let's I mean, on this one, on this one you're saying that, but God's bear in mind that Tony Robinson might have a cunning plan. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think we need to go over to Micah Richards again. Indeed. <laughs> social media this is what the people want to see thank you micah that's that's yeah i think you've, you've summed that up quite well so group four our final group then uh slightly short group this time so we've got um down from the highlands we've got hunter hope with meriotic kushite which um which smells like a biblical army um yeah. I, I wonder if there's chariots in it um, the boy Kevin Johnson's in there. Um, Seleucid normally plays the um, the fifteen man game, playing the thirteen man game this time. It's surprising that that's the only Seleucid really. That's that's been a classic army of all time. Um, Stephen Nice, another guy from the West Country, early Imperial Roman. I'm, I'm bolt shooters, legionary, square shields, bish bosh. Hugh Cameron, oh solid player, Parthian. That's a good choice. It was the choice of um, the boy Alan. In fact, this is a this is an entirely Dave free group. Um, quite scary. Second Dave free group. That's funny how the draw sometimes comes out. No, it's the only Dave free group. 
It's the only day-free group. Oh, yes, it is. It's the only day-free group. Wow. I've got, I've got a late piece of news. The, the missing player is John Edwards with Triumvirate Romans. John Edwards with Triumvirate Roman. But he's not a Dave, though, is he, Dave? So oh, it doesn't really change the I, dynamics I, of this, really. So Triumvirate Roman. Um, Charles Grano with Middle Imperial Roman. Square Shields, possibly. A little bit roundy. Bolt Shooters, Malarkey. Paul Dawson on home ground. Late Imperial Roman. Round Shields, Bolt Shooters, Cataphracts, Bishbosh. And then propping up the table, but you can never discount him. Mike Bennett has obviously found something in the Sassanid list, and um, and he's the other Sassanid player. So, so looking at this one, then, um, Mr. Finkel, what are you what are you saying? You know, out of this group, out of this group of eight, this Dave Free group, how are you seeing this one playing out? Who's who's going to end up top of the pile? Um, I'd say uh, Seleucid and Sassanid Persian are the two armies that st stand out for me. Uh, they've got more oomph than the others because the Sassanids can, Seleucids can have cataphracts or they could have elephants or they could have both and pikes uh, so I think and, and Kevin's a solid player so I would go number one Seleucid and number two Mike Bennett with the Sassanids because he can have right off Mike Bennett okay Saunders what, what about you then looking at you um, as the pundit for this one I call the group four the Roman group of death there being one, two, three, four Roman armies, if you include the late mm -hmm. entrance. Or Grupus uh, Mortis, really, is probably yeah, the right name for it. And, and what's yes. interesting, we, we haven't selected any Romans in what's a very Roman-heavy competition. And we're really hoping the Romans are getting better. But I tend to agree, Sassanid Persians will probably go through first. Then I think... Oh, it's difficult, isn't it? It's, I, think, I think Paul Dawson's late Imperial Roman will go through there. Right. Okay. That's interesting. There. Well, look, yeah, that takes us into um into the quarterfinals then. Okay then. So after that short break for advertising, we're back into the um the quarterfinals and we've got the quarterfinal draw coming up here. And um looking at how the pools have done out, this is a very, very interesting matchup. So for the first first quarter final. We're going to come to the boy Peter, and um, what we've got is uh, is pool one versus the winner of pool one, I think, versus the the runner up in pool two. So it's the Sassanids against the Blemmy and the Noba de Bade is Peter. Um, I, you know, and I know that one of those armies has got elephants, but I think you've got to put that aside. You've got to lose that emotion, um, and you've got to take Sassanids it as a real proper call. against Blemmys against pool two. The Blemmys is Julian Lopez. The pool against one, the Sassanids. Is Grand Pearl. Uh, I've, who's I've who's coming out on top of the Sassanids against the Blemmy? You're going Blemmy, are you? I've got to go Blemmies because I've yeah. played with Blemmies before and they are such a bloody good laugh. A bunch of camels coming storming in. Um, you know, you, you win, um, you, could, you probably have the desert. It just is a game changer. Um, you know, have that, get them going in, get them moving around. Um, you can, Sassan is a great army. But they're going to be an expensive army. The Blemies, you're going to be able to outdo them for numbers. And once you get them in there, it's getting them in there. But if you manage to get the desert, you can do the command, and uh, they're going to overwhelm them. All right. And then we go through um, to the I think it's the winner of pool three versus the second place in pool four. So that's the ancient Brits at home 
So um, they will be playing at Wembley there, where they get the home crowd. And I believe there's going to be 60,000 people allowed in, some of which may be sacrificed at some point. And um, <laughs> so it may not be quite as much by the end of it. And, well, they're all going to be impetuous anyway, aren't they? Exactly. And um, and, and against the Seleucids, who um, I, th- I think that's out... No, no, Israel is allowed yes. in the Eurovision Song Contest, so that is still possible. So, um, Tamsin, if you're looking at ancient Brits against the Seleucids, what are, what are you seeing there? You know, you're seeing, oh. you're seeing defences coming out, you're seeing the attacking sides coming out. Is it is it going to be a midfield battle? It's all depend. It all depends. Really, does depend on the either ancient British Panzer Panzer Corps. The fantastic ancient British yeah. Panzer Corps. Yes. I, Will they get I, the, I the empty table? Panzer Corps. Or is it just a token, token, mm. token bit of chariot? Do they get javelins now? The the um, ancient British chariots. Yes, and that will make a difference. So that will that will make a difference there with them. I think it's a close call. I'm going to go with the ancient British. Ooh. Okay, so the Brits, the Brits go through to the semi-finals. Oh. It's it's an it's an uninspiring. You know, we we haven't seen a lot from the um, the English so far. But then again, I suppose the passion's been with the Welsh. Then it's, coming home, it's, coming so in, it's coming home. It's coming home. It's coming home. It's coming home. Well, it's already at home. So uh, it's coming home to York or um, Ibarakan possibly. So it's the Blemmy against um, the Brits is in the semi-finals. So those those have been done. So let's move on then. And um, so Simon, you're you're looking at the third um, quarterfinal. We've got a home tie for the Caledonians. Um, they're playing at Hampden Park. And um, and their visitors this time are the Bosphorans, um, all the way from Bosphoria or, or possibly Turkey. Turkey. Yes, yeah, Bosphoria. Yeah, Should we say Turks Bosphoria? That, that well sounds much year. better. Well, yes, yeah. Turks have not done that well in the, in the real thing, but but it's a home tie for the Caledonians against the Bosphorians. So, Simon, what, what do you see happening sports-wise um, with this? Grudge game, Gordon versus Richard. Yeah. yeah, I have a feeling the Bosporans will be all over the, the Caledonians. It's going to be all very ugly, very technical. And then in one round, everything's going to get uh, managed and the game will be over very quickly. But that's 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 an interesting bit of analysis. But um, but I think we're missing the key piece of information there from your, your analysis. And we're not going to allow you to sit on the fence there. Um, we do need you to pick a winner here. Yeah, that's, that's what I mean, I think the Bosporans will, Bosporans will win. Okay, it's a Bosphorin, it's a Bosphorin win that takes the Bosphorin through the semi-finals. Yeah. Okay, all right, and then um, and finally, um, Andy, what what about you? It's um, it's Rep Romans, yeah. Rep Romans versus the Sassanides, um, in the quarterfinal. So you've got you know you've got the elephants, you've got the pace of the cavalry, but you've got that solid defensive line of the Republican Romans. You've got that no, I, lot I of think compactness I... in midfield. Where, where's that going to play out? No, I think the I think the Romans are going to be roadkill because the um, Sassanids can pile into them with cataphracts and elephants. The Sassanids can then, the the cataphracts can then engage reverse gear, pull back, and slam in again and, and whack them. Um, they've got the armor. They've got the impact. The the, the Romans haven't got any spear arm troops to stop them. Uh, I, I suspect the Sassanids are going to have their way with the Romans. Okay, then. So that that puts us through to our semi-finals. So the two semi-finals are. The Blemmy against the ancient Brits and the Bosphorans against the Sassanids. So, you know, we've got we've got North Africa or, or wherever a Blemmy area is against um against Britain. And then we've got Turkey against um quite close to Turkey. So so at least the you know the international travel will be better for the fans of the Sassanids and um and Bosphorans, they're more likely to get there, but you know, it will depend on 
on international travel restrictions, whether there's many away fans, because the ancient Brits are away at the Blemmy in the semi-final. So we will be back in a moment with analysis of those games. Okay, then. Well, we're back after that short break and um, and we're into the, the semi-finals now. So we're going to have a, a quick three-person vote, three-person thing. So first semi-final, um, the Blemiarians against the ancient Brits. The ancient Brits are away, the Blemiarians at home. So um, Simon, what are you saying? You know, these, these two teams have come through difficult groups. They're, they're, they're doing well, but this is the crunch moment. This is the semi-final. Which one has got the character? Which one has got that internal fortitude out of Blemmy and ancient Brits? What what do you see in this matchup? You've got the chariots, you've got the bowmen. It's a fascinating battle, isn't it? Fascinating battle. I'm going with the ancient British because of the summer solstice, the druids in full swing, the meads out. We've had a lot of uh, good English ale. They've been on a good run. So I'm going with the ancient British. All right. Okay. Brits have got Saunders. You're, you're going with the away team. Saunders, what, what do you think out of this one? I'm absolutely convinced it's not Blemmy, but Nobatai, because he gets the impetuous camels against the ancient Brits. And I think the impetuous camels will overcome the chariots of the ancient Brits. But then the ancient Brits will go straight through the centre with their impetuous infantry through the crap, mediocre spearmen of Julian's army. Because that central defensive pairing of the Nobatai is, is, is pretty weak, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah so They've had a lot of injuries there. Yeah, it's, um, I, I, I think I've seen... I've seen um, Julian's rubbish Nobatai army. Uh, so um, I th- uh, score draw penalties, penalties, definitely penalties. It will go to and penalties, the, but but who's better at penalties then, David? Ancient Brits go through on penalties. So that's that that's straightforward. Then that takes us through on on two votes already. So we don't need to go to the third member of the jury. So we've got the ancient Brits in the final. This is this is going to be great for the bookies, isn't it? Um, the ancient Brits are definitely oh, in the shock final. Turn, uh, shock turn up for Julian. Shock turn up. So let's Julian move on then. So making it through so, to the final. So the other the other semis then. Um, so we're starting with Peter then. The uh, the old Bosphoranians against the Sassanids. This is a world of cavalry. I know this is a bit tricky. This is the third time we've come to ask you about the Sassanids and you do have your elephant and cataract fetish, but the Bosphorans have got the mobility. They've got the pace down the flanks. You know, they could get those balls into the middle and start attacking See, the flanks. I, I, of the, I think you're, the you're selling in to the Bosphorans too heavy. I mean, I, no, I, no, I Peter, like I'm trying to counteract your natural obsession with elephants and cataphracts. Well, I'm just trying see, to inject some fairness into this. Yeah, you see, the, the problem is, with the elephants being toned down a little bit, I think the Bosphorans might have it. It's that, it's that, uh, that line-up of the impetuous cavalry. If you can get the command and you can actually stack it up, um, looking at the Bosphorans, I think it could be a, um, you know, a winner in the pack. You know, you throw in a few heavy spearmen, get a nice little chunk going forward, and then uh, some nice kelp mercenaries to clear out on the edges. And all of a sudden, you've got um, quite an interesting matchup going up against the Sassanids. You know, a I few, think. Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm just getting a I'm just getting a signal from pitch side. I think we're going to bring in Micah Richards to um, to comment on that bit of analysis. He's just brilliant. He's just top. What a guy to work with you are, honestly. 
thank you, Micah. That that that's really shed a bit of light of it. So so you're saying Bostrons then, Peter? Not nonetheless. Um, Micah's not so keen. Um, Andy, um, to you, what what are you looking at? Bostrons against Sassanids? Where are you, where are you at on well, this? Well, the one? Sassanids have got a really good manager. He's a very canny guy, and he's going to have uh, too much in the tank. I mean, I think I think the problem with the Bostrons is not the manager, but the players. Um, I think they're a bit impetuous, they're a bit one-dimensional, and I think the Sassanids will just outmaneuver them too much. Um, the manager will be playing an interesting formation, and the impetuous cavalry are very hard to maneuver. Yeah. Okay. So I think so Sassanids, but only by a small margin. That's 50-50. So, so Tamsin, we're coming to you for the um, the deciding vote on this this semi-final. Bostrons against Sassanids. How, how do you see this one shaping up? Well, this is going to be a Sassanids, as they say, I think for Bostrons. Great manager, crap. I but players not quite up to par. Uh, Sassanids, they got they got strong offence. Mm. They could well do it. I, I think it's very going to be very close to call, and it would be a complete shocker. But I think the Sassanids will do it, and both the favourites will not make it to the final. So that's Sassanids through then. That's Sassanids through to the final. Well, we. Well, you know, we'll be back in a moment to discuss the final. Well, look, here we are on um, Worldwide World Sports, World War, World War, War, War Sports. And um, and we're talking about the final of the York competition in obviously a way which will never actually play out. But, but with only six of us here, we can quickly rattle through this. And we've got a matchup which, you know, the ancient Brits are on home ground. This is being played in Wembley. Um, you know, the big stone circle. It's probably been playing Stonehenge, which gives the Brits a big advantage. But we've got ancient Brits against Sassanids. And, and the question is, which ancient Brits? My guess is the Panzer Division against the Sassanids. But it's the cheap, those cheap medium swordsmen in enormous numbers against the small but perfectly formed, you know, tight, efficient Sassanid army with a lot of punch, but but not a lot of width. And um, let's run down. So um, we're, we're totting this up. Mr. Lee Ray Mayer, we're coming to you first. Ancient Brits on home turf in Stonehenge. All the Sassanids, where, where are you seeing this one playing out? I'm going ancient British. Bring on the chariots. You're just going chariots. They've got javelins now. They're on home ground. It's all good. Um, fine. That's a vote for the ancient Brits. Saunders, what about you? Well, uh, kiss me under the mistletoe. No, Bye. thank you. I believe, I think Sassanids, it depends on the terrain. If the ancient Brits get the terrain right, they could do well. But I think, I'm afraid to say, it's Sassanids all the way. All that mounted against medium infantry and the heavy cavalry will overtake the chariots. So I'm afraid it's Sassanids. Mr Finkel, what about you? Let's come to you next. We're on I, one think I, think, I think it depends obviously on the army list, but if we assume that the Sassanids are going to have some elephants, uh, the um, ancient British chariots are going to be completely blocked by them. Um, you've got Mike Bennett as Sassanid manager. He's very crafty. Uh, I think he'll outmaneuver the uh, Bosporans because of they're the... They're not even playing, Andy, the Bosporans. No, well, not the ancient playing. British, sorry. The Brits, yeah. <laughs> I think the ancient British, be, be, being primarily medium foot, I, th I think, again, I think they're going to be roadkill against the Sassanids. Okay. So we're, we're what are we? We're now, past the Sassanids, I'm afraid. We're now two to one. Um, Tamsin, what about you? Well, the ancient Brits might have their Panzer Corps, but as we know, the Sassanids have got their elephants, which with their 88.88 .88 millimeter pack 43 
pack 43 guns will make mincemeat of them. Mm. So you're going with a Second World War metaphor, which is yeah. always great for football. You know, we that that's what makes this onto um, this sort of sport onto the front pages instead of the back pages, isn't it? A good old Second World War metaphor against the Germans. Um, so we're we're three to one. So I I almost hesitate in fear to come to the boy Peter. Hey, well, Peter, look, one, Peter, one point we should get bear in mind: Will there be a Russian linesman? Have you got Brits against? Um... Bring on the elephants! Yeah. Come on! I Come think, on, I think you know, they think they time. think it's all no over. Camper is going to save these ancient Brits as much as I'd love to because I've got the army myself. It's going to be elephant snack time. They're going to stump all over them, have them for lunch, and they might even have a couple of cavalry shooting around and throwing in a couple of bows just to follow in afterwards after the uh, elephants go straight through the impetuous foot. So they think it's all over. And it is now. It's four to one in the final for the Sassanids against the ancient Brits. The deciding vote isn't even needed. So we're seeing, we're predicting a Sassanid win with the ancient Brits in second for York this weekend. So thank you for listening to World, 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 Wide World of War, War, War Sports. And, and you heard um, it here first. And you might have heard it here first, possibly. And um, if you have been listening on the way up in your car and you've worked out how to stream podcasts through Bluetooth, your car speaker and all that malarkey. Um, so... We're looking forward to seeing you in the Saturday morning in a tent in um, in a pub garden in York, but we can't wait. So looking forward to our first competition. So thank you everybody for listening and we will possibly, possibly resurrect this feature at some other point in future. Um, and it'll be more intense competition. There'll be much more intense competition. Thank you everybody. Goodbye from us and goodbye from you. Goodbye. That was World of War, 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 War Sports and we now return you to your normal programming and the maximum podcast is back. So we've now had World of Sports. That's um, that's a new feature. Possibly we'll re- re- reconvene that or possibly we'll do it um, in the car on the way up to a, a competition at some point in the future as well. Uh, live recordings in the field. But, you know, that's that's kind of, you know, playing toy soldiers. That's the sort of competition that it, it's really second rate and we're not really that interested. And the real competition is all about who can score the most points out of three in Andy's quiz, which means, you know, in, in a game in which, as we record this, the French and the Portuguese are playing literally live. And I think, Dave, are you watching it? Can you give us a live beam in from the game? It's hilarious. So um, the, the, the funny story is it's two all between Portugal and France. But the really interesting is BBC Two, where the Hungarians are beating Germany 2-1. 2-1, <laughs> all right. So the Germans are going to be the ones who... With 10 minutes to go. So what, what does that mean for the actual real football then? God knows. God Who knows? It, right, it means they play the Sassanids the next time. They probably play the Sassanids in the next round. <laughs> England could be playing the Sassanids in the next round. Right. But, you know, in, enough of this um, Middle Eastern football nonsense. Let's bring on some French techno nonsense. Monsieur Finkel, your team are drawing, the, the French techno team are drawing 2-2 with the Portuguese. And um, let's see if if Ronaldo can salmon leap up and, um, and nod the French techno down and tell us, remind us what on earth we were talking about two weeks ago in the world of Andy's quiz. Well, since I've got it written down here, I can do that. Oh, I mean, if, remember, the questions were all about D-Days and invasions. And the first question was, in the 1880s, 
What did German Chancellor Otto von Bismarck say he would do if the British army invaded the coast, German coast of North on the Baltic? Enter the boat race? <laughs> no. Invade the Isle of Wight? No, he said he'd send a policeman to invest them. Hey! hey. <laughs> Very funny. That, that, that probably works, yep. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Question two. What natural phenomenon made the amphibious landings at Incheon in Korea in 1950 particularly hazardous? It's a very, and a very fast current on the river. And it was a very yeah. short turnaround. It's the tidal range. Apparently between high and low tide was an average of 29 feet. Second or third highest in the world. Yeah, I think wow. Bay of Fundy is higher, but that's, that's the only other place. It's um, like a tsunami. And it's yeah. the it's also the speed of it as well. It's fantastic when you yeah, sort of think. I've river caverns about nine knots. That's somewhere then... you've been sailing, Peter. Um my boat that I was on went not too far away from it. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I think Guernsey's got a very big tidal range as well. Yeah, um, there's there's that, there's Canada, and the UK isn't too bad in a couple of places. The, okay. is it the, the seven balls, yeah, seven, seven balls. It's just the seven balls wider, and it, when it really matters and it's close up, it's not that stressful. So, but, uh, no, that green one's crazy. Right. Yeah. Okay, so apparently not. Right, well, he, this is another question, then, Andy. Right. Third one was: Which country was invaded by accident by a Royal Marine amphibious force in two thousand and two? Spania. Yeah. Oops. Yeah, it, it took it a wrong turn. They were doing an exercise off Gibraltar and uh, ended up landing uh, a bit too far down the coast. Yeah, that's right. The sat nav went wrong and they ended up landing on a Spanish beach rather than. Um, Did they get arrested by a Spanish policeman? No, no they, they, they kind of them and pointed. <laughs> they sort of, I think it kind of turned up and said, Oh, terribly sorry, and disappeared off again. Wow. Okay. All right. Well, look, you know, on, on that um, Royal Marines on a Spanish beach, that, that's definitely the key for French techno. <laughs> So Andy, with um with the Germans going out as we speak in the background. The Germans just equalised, which might make things change or it might not. We don't really understand. Um, because no one really does. So what's what topical thing are you going to kind of scrape out this week that that may not be topical in a fortnight? Well, in our new the topical, theme? topical theme is York. York, Ibarakum. We're on. Ibarakum, yes. Right. Yes. So these are all questions for which the name York features in some respect. So question one. On the 8th of October 1918, how many prisoners were taken by Sergeant Alvin York of the US 82nd Division? That's him by himself. I think I know that one. Okay. I do. All right. right. Um, I'll give you a clue. It's more than one. Question two. What was the name of the sister ship of the British World War II cruiser HMS York, which featured in a famous movie about a naval battle and was sunk by the Japanese in March 1942? Is that Tora, 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 the film? No. It might be. It might be. All right. Okay. Exciting. And question three. Who... A strategist in Art de la Guerre rules, jointly with his brother, led the winning army at the Battle of York in the year 866. 
866. Well, we'll have to um, scrape around and see if we can dig him up when we're up there this coming weekend. So, you know, with, with that one, I think it's time to um, to hit some French techno. Well, you know, that's that's another another timely quiz. Um, two weeks from now, I'm sure we'll still be buzzing over the excitement of York and um, and, and hopefully not coughing over um, creating some sort of... We'll be debating well, the playoffs. We'll be debating the playoffs, yeah. We'll be seeing how our predictions have kind of come true. But um, in terms of predictions, the issue, the prediction we're interested in now is what do you predict that you might be painting or doing over the next fortnight? So, so Peter, are you, are you looking at another fortnight of work now that you've done the Mycenaeans or you've got basing to uh, do will that the army no, be finished I'm taking a couple of days off so I might actually start my assassinated Persians following the uh, uh, the predicted win up in York over them stopping the British army I might actually which, get around which one is um, which one is cause and effect because you predicted them winning all the way through and then you've now decided to paint them on the base that they're a winning army um, but both really got a yeah. game of two halves so uh that yeah. now found a nice pretty colour to spray them. So, um, uh, you know, you've got to go for, with the, the feel of things. So, um, you you've know, I've got a nice uh, blue. You've got to roll with it. Mr Saunders, are you, are you going to, um, do you see any painting in the next fortnight or are you just um, going to see how your army does in York and see if you need to add any more Romans to it? Yeah, I'm not, not predicting any painting going on, but I, I'm definitely predicting cursing integrated artillery. Right. What in a, as in their enemy, or they're not as good as you hope? And well, I just so far they've hit nothing but a barn door. Well, no, <laughs> apart from my army, the the only army they've actually been good at was when I played you. You That's, hit a few of my units, Dave. That, I'd swear I've I've put them in the army just for a laugh, and I bet they don't hit a bloody thing all weekend this weekend, Gummy. So you're you're predicting a fortnight of muttering under your breath. That bloody integrated artillery that's just going to be it grinding your teeth i've been okay. sold a dummy by hervé and his rules changes yes you you and a load of other days you, you went into the new fresh fresh thing that the latest you you, you got, got into the fad dave yes it's a fad it's a fad you got drawn into the fashion simon what what about you are you going to um you're going to make a start on the the dixon guys yeah i've got them um almost all sanded and all ready to go so Hopefully the first time I've got some sunshine where it's not pouring with rain, I'm going to get um, base coated and then slowly work my way through 300 odd figures. Are you going to do a sneaky Andy and take them with you on holiday with the spray can and hope for a kind of dry day and sneak out into the garden while your wife's not looking? Or are you not that brave? No, no you're not that brave. No, I'm hardy, possibly. I've got better things to do on my holidays than I'm having yeah. holidays. <laughs> be um, emasculated, yeah. Uh, however, um, I will be reading um, various um, Renaissance history books and reading um, Kings of War Battlefield, uh, Kings of the War uh, rulebook to figure out what the hell to do. Okay, that's good. Mr Finkel, what, what about you over the next fortnight? Is it you got more games against Dave Ray? You've got painting coming up? You've got uh, games planned? Um, yeah, one or two games. Um I'm actually um, hoping to do a mass dark black spray of various things which I've had prepared and put on lollipop sticks, but the weather hasn't been that good and I need to leave them outdoor for the smell to, um, what's the word, disperse before I bring disperse. them back inside. But um, I was thinking of sticking together my um, 
Krill sees ships and then doing that and just doing one big massive spray job. So uh, that, that would be the next thing to do. But I actually bought, um, there was a guy selling, there's a group called uh, 50 millimeter for sale on, on Facebook. And there was a chap selling a Persian army. And so I bought it and he only wanted 60 quid for it, which is quite surprising. I think he felt he underpriced it, but having said he'd sell it, he'll sell it. And he said his base for um, Meg, and he said there's seven uh, foot groups and five cavalry groups. Now, I don't know how many is in each, but um, you know, I think they call them tugs, so you don't know how big mm. a tug is or um, no. how extensive. But I thought, well, 60 quid for 12, 12 tugs, that can't be bad. And um, they arrived today. Honestly, I, I think we'd all take 60 quid for 12 tugs any day yeah, of the week. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so I've had my 12 tugs and they're very happy. Good, fantastic. Um, Tamsin, are you just doing World of Bananas then? Um, um, yeah, it's going yeah. to be plantations, jungle, sun. Depending on the weather, if we can get outside and do distance spray, I might. I do. I prime MDF buildings. Mm. Okay, oh, MDF um, sort of Southeast Asian buildings. Yes, indeed. Got okay. Uh, Did you make them out of bamboo? I know. I suspect they're made out of MDF. Would be my, you know, stab in yeah. the dark guess. But stack. Oh, fine, that's a stack, isn't it? Yeah, you you measure MDF buildings in um, in vertical inches when they're stacked, and that's that's yeah. quite a few of them. Good. No, I, I'm actually I forgot to say earlier. I actually played a game of Chain of Command this week against um, Jeff. Took some of my plastic um, twenty mil um, Americans against his 28 mil Germans. So mine were sort of far away and his were just closer up. Um, so if, if you sat the right side of the table, it looked fine. But um, and it's it's a really interesting game system, isn't it? I, I, you know, fighting the Germans is kind of hard, but it's one where I'm sat here going, what could I do differently to, to do that? Which is great. I'm not thinking about the mechanics. I'm thinking about how could I approach the tactics differently? So I'll definitely try and some fit some more of that stuff in um as well and um and probably start looking for some 20 mil support weapons as well because i think support weapons feels like the magic ingredient it's very difficult with just a vanilla um few platoons and things like that or few squads but but that was kind of interesting and i think now that i've started doing these um these medieval um late medieval figures there'll be a bit more of that as well so so i think after york um, we'll see what happens in terms of the competitions, but but getting a few more games as well, and um, and then yeah, possibly doing a bit more painting. So we sort of feel like we're getting back a bit to normal, really, don't we, over the next few weeks? Mm. Yeah, yeah, certainly feel good. Okay, well, I think on um, on that note of normality, if you're listening to this in the car on the way up to York, and um, and we've dissed you and said that you won't make it out of the group stages, we're terribly sorry, but um, but if you've not worked out by now that we don't know what the hell we're talking about and we're just making this rubbish up, um, you're probably listening to the wrong podcast. So thank you for listening and, um, and we shall see you all possibly at the weekend or possibly again, or listen to you in a couple of weeks time. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Safe trip back to York.
York, um, is there any particular colonial food or beer that we've referred to? Like, you know, does Yorkshire have a particular pie they like or a pint? Well, there's Yorkshire, but not York's slightly different. York is Viking world. It's like, like posh Yorkshire. Eberarkum. Eberarkum. Um, your gourmet turnip or something? This means war. They specialise in growing great big veg, Simon. You, yes, massive like veg. Oh, yeah, yeah, huge veg. Big oh. veg competition. Yeah. It's <laughs> rhubarb. Look at the marrows. Yeah. This means war.